It was hot and it was ugly, but the Chiefs got it done. Get on the W side of the column for the 2023 season. What happened in Jacksonville? Good, bad, and ugly today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs in our live post-game show. Thanks for joining us. This is where you can get your team every day, especially game day, where we're here today, joined by Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com to run down this win for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. Joined by my partner, Chris Clark, from Chiefs Corner, as well as Matt Derrick. Make sure that you like, sub, hit that bell on YouTube, and get subbed over on Spotify, Apple, and all the audio platforms. We appreciate you being with us. We are your team every day, five days a week, plus this is a Sunday. So let's not mess around. Later, we're going to talk about who played better on what side of the ball, what the return was for Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. But to begin, this was a difficult game in the heat in Florida. The Chiefs did not look themselves, but came in to survive. Is this a tale of attrition? Matt, or how did this get done? Yeah, it could have been a, a tale of attrition because this was a tough one. I mean, the weather for sure, Jacksonville's a salty opponent. There was a lot going on. And uh, so maybe there's a reason why this game was chippier than most. But I got to I gotta give it up to this Kansas City defense. They were the ones that really carried this team. The, the offense, you know, is still finding its footing. It was not a typical Chiefs offense, Mahomes performance. But this defense two games in i i am buying i mean they've given up basically 23 points through two games through two what i think you'd have to say are two playoff caliber teams the lions might be that this year jaguars certainly were last year um hey are they the cream of the crop opponents no but i think what you've seen so far this is i think a lot better than we probably should have expected and could have expected from the chiefs defense in the first quarter of the season since i think even steve spagnolo thought that with you know some of the question marks with no charles aminahue with chris jones no no training camp no preseason didn't really know what he was going to get and what he's getting right now right now he's getting a really good defense well and you sit there and you talk about the defense and it's crazy because the jacksonville jaguars I thought we're going to be one of the top five offenses in the NFL. And Kansas City really held them to nine points today. Uh, they played fantastic defense, especially in the red zone. Uh, Chris Jones made a difference. Uh, Karloftis was huge uh, coming off the edge multiple times. And actually, interior pressure as well. Uh, very impressive. And, and I'm going to just say this right now. Um, I think the NFL really went overboard on the Juwan Taylor thing. Uh, I'm not going to say he didn't get false started a couple of times, but uh, – his alignment hasn't changed and they haven't called it. And if they weren't telling him that they weren't calling it, then that's an issue. And as far as the offensive holds are concerned, okay, I guess their holds looked awfully soft a couple of times to me, but uh rough game obviously for him, but I'm glad that they put him back in there and they just got him cooled off on the sideline for a couple of minutes. Well, they did whistle him for the one illegal illegal motion being lined up in the backfield. I'm kind of curious if maybe one of the false starts wasn't kind of more because of that too. I mean, again, you know, I have to really be able to see the the, the full 22 and be able to see a close up of the ball and Taylor at the same time because I knew even one of the highlights that CBS showed, you couldn't see if if Creed's the ball had moved in Creed's hand yet. I mean, and that's how good Juwan Taylor is at getting that first step. So they were clearly absolutely giving him attention today, and that did not help him. 
um, probably across the board because if an official starts looking at you pre-snap, it's probably going to keep watching you after the snap too. And that just resulted in a lot of eyes being on Jawan Taylor all day long. And, and were the, were the penalties justified? Probably. Was he getting more attention than he maybe has deserved and earned? Probably. But if you're under the microscope, you got to be ready for it. And the Chiefs absolutely knew that. And and I think that's why Andy Reid took him out, was just to give him a mental break, give him a breather, um, let him just take a deep breath. Because this was an emotional game for him. I mean, this was going back to Jacksonville, where he obviously played for four years. But beyond that, played in college. He had a lot of friends and family at the game today. I mean, Florida's his home. So this was a big emotional game for Taylor. And it just it didn't go the way he wanted, but he got the win. So I know at the end of the day, he's going to be happy. You know, in my notes, I actually had him lined up closer to the line of scrimmage on average than we saw last week. And that, I felt, led to uh, just a general sense of of being uncomfortable. And I thought that led to the false starts in particular. I thought it probably led to the holdings as well. Um, I felt at least one of those holds was legit. I think not his best day, but again, getting closer to the line of scrimmage, better into alignment so that you don't get picked on by the referees going forward. That was an adjustment he had to make, and it looks like he started to make that. Overall, I don't think that was the biggest problem on the day. I felt the offense just generally lacked cohesion, didn't have the same page, didn't have that juice outside of Isaiah Pacheco, which thank you, by the way, Andy Reid, for finally getting him in the game plan in the second half. In the end, I think the Chiefs shot themselves in the foot. This is a story we we started last season with again. Rather than coming out on all cylinders, Matt, I think they can get that turned around. This was not a beautiful step forward, but it wasn't a step back either, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think you saw maybe some of the the same issues that we saw last week just manifested in a different way. I mean, um, last week we saw all the drops, and this week, you know, weren't weren't those weren't the issues? It was more after the catch; it was the issues, and and I think you still saw some pressing. I mean, I, I think you see that you know guys were certainly more you know aware this week about making sure that they were getting the ball into their hands, but I think you also saw a lot of guys really, really concerned about what they were doing afterwards. And that, you know, and conditions like you have in Jacksonville, when it's humid, it rained before the game, there's got to be some water on the turf. I'm sure the ball was wet early. You saw a lot of loose balls. You saw some, you know, unsure handling from everybody. Um, and it, it, it was, there wasn't just one guy. I mean, once again, I mean, Kadarius Tony puts the ball on the ground. Justin Watson puts the ball down. Um, there were some snaps that were questionable at times. I mean, you know, the ball was slipping all over the place. And again, that can just happen sometimes when guys are tight. And is that a case of just the offense, you know, focusing on what the issue was last week of making sure you catch the football. But if you're still... If you're still right. forcing it, if you're still forcing yourself, you're you're going to make mistakes. And this offense is at its best, frankly, when it's just playing pitch and catch with Mahomes, getting the ball and, and running around, and they're not worrying about that. I think they'll get to that point, but they're not there yet. They definitely pressed on offense pretty much the entire first half. Uh, they had one good drive where they got Sky Moore involved. They got Kadarius Tony involved. That was impressive. I liked what I saw on that drive, but they couldn't go back to it. And one of the things that really stood out to me Four third downs of third and 19 or more. Four of them. Uh, three of them were third and 20 or, or 22. It's just you can't win, generally speaking, playing that way. And they still found a way to win. Uh, they also had a third and 14. And at least now we know that if they want to, that uh, Donovan Smith can catch the ball. Yep, had some pretty good hands there. Uh, maybe not supposed to catch it there, but he, he caught it. It was a great. Hey, it was thrown right at him. What's he supposed to do? Um, I, you know, you kind of saw it on both ways. I mean, the the Jaguars 
they had themselves a couple of long third down issues. But frankly, I mean, what I thought that the key to this game was going to be for the Chiefs was stopping Travis Etienne. And if they could stop him on first and second down and force the Jaguars to get into some unmanageable third and down situations where it's third and six or third and nine, whatever it may be, they could go after Lawrence. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, they were very productive in the first half. Of, of slowing down and stopping at in and forcing a lot of, you know, medium and long third downs. And then they got the job done. In the end, they both ended up Isaiah Pacheco and Travis Etienne and with 12 carries uh, for the first time in recent memory, Isaiah Pacheco outran on average, the opposing running back 5.8 yards a carry to 3.3. That's a step forward. Can they build on that? And is that something that we have to talk about later in the show as we hit the defense really did outplay the offense, but how were the details? That's coming up later. And then we have to talk about the two stars that have returned to this roster. They both provided a lift today. But first, every new potential hire that you're trying to make is a high-stakes wager for your small business. If you want 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates that you're looking for, you got to go to LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free makes life easy. All you got to do is post it, get that hashtag on the hiring frame so that everyone knows what you're looking for. It's simple tools. It's screening options. It brings all those candidates in so you can get the job done. That's why Small Misses has rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one in de developing and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs, they have that for free. You can find the qualified candidates that you're looking for to talk to you faster post your job for free that is for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply but all kinds of conditions have to apply and that means when you're making picks you got to do that as well and that's the beauty of prize picks all you have to do is go pick two players or more and choose whether they're going to go under their estimated total or over. You can win up to 25 times the money that you put down this football season. It's really simple to play. You can make your picks like I do, get them in and out in under 60 seconds and be on your way towards a winning day. Whether you had Patrick at, what, 312 yards today, if you did that, you just missed it by seven yards, but there's a lot to be made up for. So all you got to do is go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use the code LockedOnNFL. That is an important step. That way you're going to get a first deposit match of up to $100. So just go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL to get that $100 match. Use our promo code LockedOnNFL to do it. It's highly encouraged that you should be in action at prizepicks.com. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. The other thing that looked easy and Matt, I want to know just how surprising this was because we heard about the pitch count pregame. We thought he was going to be on it. Chris Jones walks in and looks like he can get off the ball. They lined him out at edge uh, a number of times, maybe more so than I was expecting. And if you guys weren't expecting, you can hit that text line at 816-357-8781. But how much was a surprise of the performance of Chris Jones, his first action back, Matt? Yeah, I mean, we'll, I haven't seen the snap counts yet. It did look like to me he played a little bit more than I would have expected. I mean, I, I thought he was capable of handling a, a large amount. But, you know, to me, I thought 40 or 50 snaps would absolutely be the limit. He might have gone over that. I mean, we'll, we'll see how the numbers come out. Um, they did move him out in and out a little bit. There were some drives that he was taking off, especially, you know, there in the fourth quarter, there was a couple he was absent from. And, but they were making sure to get him out there on third down. And, I mean, and that's a look that, you know, we – I really, really liked, um, you know, their third down package because they basically just 
throwing a bunch of edges out there and pass rushers because um, they had Jones and, and Felix and Udike Ozama on the outside and then Mike Dana and George Karloftis on the inside. That is a fearsome group to be having out there <laughs> on third and medium, third and long, when you can go after and tee off on the quarterback. So very impressed by that. Um, I'm listening a little bit to Andy Reid's postgame press conference as well. Uh, looks like uh, Nick Bolton's the only injury to really talk about with the ankle, but he did come back into the game. Uh, Justin Watson had a, a dehydrated there at the end, but that doesn't look like it's anything serious, obviously. There are probably quite a few guys who are battling that today in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that, you know, that, that, uh, Andy Reid said standing out was what is the biggest takeaway from the game was the same one of ours. I mean, the defense, defense did his job. And, and one of the big reasons why was because Chris Jones was impressive. Well, how, how crazy is it? Because if you look back at Steve Spagnuolo's time in Kansas city, generally speaking, the first four or five weeks, maybe even six, seven, eight weeks, the defense is not running into, sh- they're not in where you expect them to be. They're always going to be allowing a ton of points. We are now two weeks into the season. They have allowed 21 – sorry, they allowed 14 points and they allowed nine points. If you can continue to have that kind of defense the entire year, you're going to be in a great shape to have any kind of chance. This is going to be the best defense that Patrick Mahomes is going to have in his NFL career in Kansas City if they continue playing like this. And they don't even have Charles Minihu yet. You talk about – I absolutely love the NASCAR package, Matt. That's a great point. Uh, Carl Loftus and Dana inside, Jones and FAU outside. Uh, and you get to you know, put in FAU – sorry, you get to put in a Minihu in a couple of weeks as well. So he's going to be fresh. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I think the, the 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 main there's a couple of things with this defense, you know, compared to past years, and one of them is certainly that I'm not sure that they really have a, a huge weakness. I mean, there's nobody on the, in the starting eleven that you really look at and say, okay, here's the guy that you can target. Um, there's some guys that have some bad snaps from time to time and have, have given up some plays, but you know, there's no place that I really say, okay, here's part of the area, here's a, here's a specific area of the field that you can target. That's the weak spot of the Chiefs' defense. I mean, they don't really have that. And the other thing is, I think that they're strong up the middle especially with getting Jones back. If you got Jones and Naughty up front, you've got Nick Bolton, when, especially when he's healthy in the middle of the field, and then you've got Justin Reed and Brian Cook on the back end. That, to me, might be the best you know, middle-of-the-field group that the Chiefs have had since you know, their, the All-Pro days with Bob Sutton when you had you know, Derry Johnson in the middle of the field and you had Eric Berry on the back end, uh, Mike DeVito up front. I mean, those, that, was, that was a really good group that they had. Now they're strong in the middle, and that's where you win football games is the middle of the field. Well, and Chanel played well. I thought I was impressed. Sorry, really, really quick, Ryan. Chanel was impressive. He had several plays that I that really stood out to me. And Drew Tranquil got a little bit more, a couple more snaps from the first week. Sorry, that's all I want to say. Chris Jones ends up with a sack and a half uh, on pace to meet all of his bonuses. I think that's that's nice for him. <laughs> but you mentioned a couple of guys that did play well, <clears throat> and I agree with those completely. The other one who made his return today, and you felt his presence. I was actually concerned till about midway through the second quarter, Matt, with the shape that Travis Kelsey was in. He did not look explosive. He did not look like he was coming off the ball or moving particularly well laterally. And maybe rehydration or maybe something else changed at halftime that changed that. But certainly, as the game wore on, I I think he started to look a little bit more like himself. How did you feel about his performance? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt. You watch him, and, and you could tell that the knee was bothering him. It's not a hundred percent. I mean, and and just even though he is going to give it his go, and you just know how tough he is. Um, there's, I don't think there's any doubt that knee is going to be bothering him more than he's going to admit or let on. And you know, and that's the other thing too is that, and, and I, I I only say it with you know 
not a not a red light siren or anything but this was the first training camp where i felt like we really started to see a little bit of age catching up with travis kelsey and i don't think he'll admit it um but you know he he just looked a little bit more ginger at times i mean there were some mistakes that from travis kelsey that you don't normally see and you know and and he even was talking about the injury being one of those things that you know that he was just gonna he got kind of sloppy on his route um and that's the thing and, and he knows this i mean and if the if the injury was a was a learning step for him to just know that hey wait a minute i'm i'm almost 34 years old i can't go as hard and as fast as i used to maybe i can do that on a lim more limited number of snaps if that's the lesson that he's going to learn i mean i think that's fine i mean you know it's reasonable to expect that you're gonna have to use travis kelsey in a different way as he ages but i don't think there's any doubt i mean you know it's impossible at his age to be getting stronger and faster or any of these things the reality of it is is from a physical standpoint you knew this was happening a few years ago he's just compensated for it by being one of the smartest tight ends who ever played the game and having a quarterback that he's on the same page with and, and they can just do remarkable things those travis kelsey can still do those things especially when he's healthy but i think it's just going to be harder for him going forward by the point of this he at the, at the point he is in his career well, as you look at Kelsey and I think, you know, the drop in the end zone uh, before they kicked that field goal, I think that it probably didn't help his attitude. Uh, and I'm not really calling him out, but he did get, you know, penalized for personal fouls for stupid things, uh, things that he used to not ever get penalized for. I think he was pissed off mainly because he didn't play week one, obviously. And then you sit here and you're in a situation where, uh, you know, he comes in and he doesn't, he drops a couple of balls. Uh, the one in the end zone, I think was definitely a drop. I think that there may have been an, another drop earlier in the game as well. I'm not sure if they're going to mark that as a drop or a, a pass that was defensed, but he didn't play the normal way that you expect him to play. Yeah. He got the touchdown. He found the soft spot in the zone. And that's exactly what he's great at. Uh, I think he's going to continue to get better and, you know, at this point, you're going to get up against a Jaguar team that's going to be very good. I feel pretty good about being one and one uh, after the way they played at Detroit. And you didn't have an issue with drops, a lot of drops in this game, at least. Uh, and Mahomes seemed to be hitting people when needed. So you got to be, you got to feel pretty good about it. You do. And I think that that's something to build on. We can talk about those specifics of how that defense outplayed the offense and, and what are the details. We're going to get to that first message from our pals <clears throat> that can help you get into the action snap into the action this season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book right now new customers get 200 dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet that's 200 dollars in bonus bets win or lose if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better play better time to get in on the action the app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props overs and unders and many many more so visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Partners are always good to have, and thank you for FanDuel for supporting us. Everybody needs support, and the defense, I think, got some of that. A couple of concerns in this ballgame for me, Matt, was that there were like, I want to say there were four catches that were deemed out of bounds where Legereus Need or Trent McDuffie had gotten beat on the play. Uh, scratch that. Jalen Watson was one as well. But that said, uh, I don't think that Legereus Need is up to speed yet. I think Trent McDuffie is playing well, but out of the slot, still has some challenges there at times. 
Is there a bit of luck that went into this defensive performance, particularly against the pass? I mean, looking at it, I think there were at least four catches in the end zone that I remember that went out of bounds. And I mean, I probably should give a game ball to, to Zay Flowers' feet because Zay Jones's <laughs> feet because he should have one of those yeah. for sure. He should have been able to drag the toe. And I just, I mean, that's kind of just good fortune, and you know, the receiver not making a play. But uh, a couple of those, I mean, I give it to the defender. I mean, McDuffie did a really good job. I thought of making sure that Jones did, just didn't have any room to come down, and he forced him out of bounds. But the others, you know, I think the Jaguars helped him out. They did get fortunate. Um, they also had some throws in the, in the red zone that that Trevor Lawrence just missed. And that, to me, hey, I mean, that's a little bit of the difference between Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes makes those throws. That back shoulder throw to Sky Moore was absolutely dead on perfect, and Moore made a great play on it. Um, but the Jaguars weren't able to make those plays in the red zone, and that was, to me, a huge difference because the Jags had plenty of opportunities to score and get into the end zone. They didn't do it. Um, the Chiefs, I don't feel like, had as many opportunities, but they made the most of them when they did. On the offensive side of the ball, I felt like I was frustrated with the the lack of run call until early. And he comes out in the first uh, first series, looked good, uh, mixing it back up. Pacheco's running well. Then he goes away from it again for a couple of series. That's when we saw the the change for Taylor. Pacheco Monago comes in for a couple of minutes. You know, I, I think that all led together. I, I think maybe more years than, than more this year than years past. I do think balance, especially right now as this young wide receiver core is coming along, has to be more in the game plan week to week to week. I still don't think 12 carries was enough for him. Do you? Yeah, and to me, the the real strangeness was the first half. I mean, I think there were three designed runs in the first half. Um, that's just peculiar. I mean, and, and if a team can just knows that you're going to be throwing the ball every single time, they're not going to respect the run. And I think that's one of the reasons why Pacheco was at least able to get that 31-yard run off in the beginning of the second second half is that Jaguars just were lulled to sleep by the Chiefs dropping back to throw every time. They weren't expecting it. And that played into, I think, a little bit of the passing game woes in the first half and, you know, why they struggled a little bit. Jaguars weren't surprised by anything the Chiefs were doing because they just went straight pass. And this, it's not checkers, it's chess. You know, even though it's the NFL and it's a passing league, you have to occasionally run the football just to keep defenses honest. And they didn't do that in the first half. They did a better job of that in the second half. But you're right. I mean, there were stretches where they got away from it again. Um, probably not enough. But considering that I, I feel like they're still trying to protect Pacheco a little bit, Clyde was under the weather, so maybe they were protecting him a little bit. They're also right now probably not going to give McKinnon a ton of touches because they want to save him for the second half of the season. Add all that together, and that's probably why they ended up with a little bit of a lopsided pass run you know, combo today. I think it's really interesting. You, you look at the way this game played out, and Kansas City had so many turnovers turnovers in the first half they just could have completely put the game away for the Jaguars and the Jaguars didn't take advantage of it if Trevor Lawrence doesn't throw a backward pass maybe they go down and score a touchdown maybe it's a completely different ball game but Kansas City gave up the ball too many times in this game and was able to get away from, was able to get away from it in this game which is surprising considering how bad the offense played that's how good the defense played. And I think that's also why part of the reason that they didn't run the ball as much is because they kept giving the ball away to the other team. You throw a pick, you you fumble the ball twice, uh, three times if you count Richie's uh, on the punt return. So you're sitting there giving up the ball that many times. And it's just, it's really hard to be able to win football games that way. Kansas City found a way to get it done. 
the thing that really stuck out to me is you sit here and you watch how this game played out. You you watch all the turnovers. You watch Trevor Lawrence, and he has all these weapons, and the defense was able to get the job done. Uh, Chris Jones, George Karloftis, they both played great. Uh, you know, getting all those sacks, that's fantastic for this defensive line. And be able, being able to stop the run at times as well really helped this defense. Yeah, and to me, there's the one issue that the Chiefs are going to have this year, just period. And and one of the reasons why it's probably going to – they may get into some of these ruts where they rely too much on the ball, on throwing the ball, and that they just can't seem to get away from it is they've got too many targets. I mean, Mahomes throws 41 passes today, and that's a decent number. I mean, that's probably more than they would prefer to, to, to throw. Um, that, that to me is, you know, you're going to throw the ball 40 times. That's going to be, you know, 60, 70 offensive plays in a game. Um, this was a little bit more pass heavy, but then you go look back, sit back and look at it and you're like, well, Marquez got three targets. Um, you know, I don't think Justin Ross got a target. Rasheed Rice had two targets. You're looking at this and you're saying, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I mean, there's guys, there's some receivers that Donovan Smith got more targets than they did. And, you know, it's there's too many mouths to feed. And when you have that, I think you're sometimes going to get into the trap of saying, you know what, we maybe need to throw the ball more because we're not getting this guy involved enough or that guy. Well, that's going to happen when you're carrying seven receivers and three tight ends and three running backs. I mean, there's too many guys to throw the ball to. There are. And keeping all those mouths happy is probably going to be a game-to-game decision. you got to make the most of it. I think Richie James now needs to, to get – a little bit more spotlight to get that feedback. I thought they did a good job going back to Watson after uh, the play where he fumbled. I think that they certainly got KT involved, at least in one drive, very specifically to jumpstart them again. I think Richie James is going to get that treatment next week. But that said, everybody's really, got to have a game ball. Where do we start? Really quick, before we get to game balls, I have to say one of the things that I never thought that we would be saying is how good a game did Andy Reid coach? When he did, when you got get into pressure situations and you have to throw the challenge flag and the challenges that he did, uh, that is something that a couple of years ago we wouldn't have seen. But Andy Reid did a fantastic job being right on the money today. Fair well, my my game ball is is pretty easy. I mean, like I said, I, I could give it to Zay Jones's feet, but. Um, <laughs> Chris Jones, I mean, comes back and you don't know what to expect. And what what's he do? I mean, he gets, you know, one and a half sacks, um, really was tremendous pressure all day long. I mean, looking at his separation from the quarterback, you know, well above league average for his first game back with no work. I mean, just his own work he's doing in Miami in a limited week of practice. I mean, that tells you just how good Chris Jones is. And he should only get better from here. No, is he going to have 24 sacks in the season? No, probably not. But you know, clearly he is is in great shape. He is ready to go. I was very impressed with with him all across the board. Probably, like I said, played more than I expected. And do the Chiefs win without Chris Jones today? I, I don't know. I mean, he maybe he was the key piece because he certainly came up big in a, a couple of huge moments. Yeah, he did. And he almost got a third. He almost got what a second and a half. It would have been two and a half sacks uh, with that Lawrence one that he threw back again. Uh, great job by Andy calling that in, challenging that to get, uh, you know, two more yards back there. Uh, I, my game ball is going to George Kalaftis. I thought the pass rush was something that really just, you know, hampered Lawrence all game long. I mean, a sack in the, in the interior or a split sack with Mike Dana and then coming back and getting another sack. I think that was impressive. And just really quick, I have to give props to Leo Chanel. Uh, being able to read what he did and being in the right place, saving them on that uh, trick play. 
Uh, great job by him and, and something that I was not expecting to see, especially considering Kansas City can, continues to play a lot more base than I expect. Yeah, and that's a good point that you bring up. Um, and, and my game ball goes to a guy that had to sustain an injury, come back, and was playing next to Leo Chanel a lot of the game. The guy that kept it all together, led the team in tackles, had to make up for when Chris Jones wasn't on the field, had to endure, had to make sure everything was was running there. There's no question now that Nick Bolden is the captain of this defense. As much as you'd like to think that Justin Reed was brought in to fill that role, it is not him. Nick, I think if he were to get hurt, I, I think they have a, a viable candidate to replace him uh, in Drew Tranquil if they need to miss a game or whatever. But it was very clear to me that motivationally, organizationally, and making sure that everything was executed the best that it could be, it was Nick Bolton driving this bus on what is now, at least for two weeks, the strength of this Chiefs roster. So kudos to him. We'd like to know who your game balls go to. You can put that down in the comments. You can hit us over on the reviews on Spotify and Apple. We appreciate that. Matt, long story short, is this a springboard to the rest of the season? Can they pick up the momentum from here? Or is there is this still kind of a, a team trying to find its way? I mean, let's see what happens. I mean, you know, this is going to be a you know an interesting schedule for the Chiefs, you know, coming up in the next few weeks because they're going to have some contests that aren't necessarily the marquee games. It's that they're not be maybe not going to be able to get up for as much, and you know, you, know, you got to see how they're going to respond to that. Um, I think next week will be a very interesting challenge because that's going to kind of fit into that category there. Um, you know, we will see. You know, taking on the Bears. Um, that's not a team that's going to be, you know, uh, uh, you're circling for any reason, but you got to see if this team's going to be up for it because there's going to be some weeks like that. But even a team like the Bears is going to come after them. It's not going to be as chippy as it was today because it's not going to be 100 degrees against a, a, a nasty opponent. But, you know, you're always going to have a target on your back. And some weeks those teams are going to be a, more, a lot more interested in you than you are in them. And that's where we're going to learn about this team. Really quick, Travis Kelsey, four receptions on nine targets for 26 yards. Yes, he got a touchdown, but that is definitely why I think he was so pissed off. And the thing that really impressed me, uh, Sky Moore, I think, is showing growth and Mahomes throwing that ball before Moore really even started to turn around for the touchdown. That shows how much he trusts him. So I'm loving what I'm seeing there. Yeah, I have to think so. We want to know your opinion. Make sure you like, sub, and hit that bell. Coming up this week, we're going to break down the snaps. We're going to break down all the stats. What has to change to take that next step? We'll be looking into it. Matt will be back with us on Wednesday. We'll make sure that we are moving forward. I hope that you are, too. Enjoy the rest of the games here on Sunday. Thanks for being with us live and subscribing as well. You guys have a great Sunday evening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening now, and we'll talk to you then.